as we start a new series that God is going to capture our hearts and in our minds. And uh, it's been a secret. How many of you have been wondering what in the world we're going to do after 1 Corinthians, right? And uh, I've wanted to, to keep it a secret because I wanted you to show up this morning and I didn't want you to not show up for five or six weeks. And so my heart has been full of anticipation for this morning. We're churning from uh, some expository preaching that we've done for a year and a half almost uh, with uh, 1 Corinthians kind of line by line. And this morning we're going to shift for the next five or six weeks really to more of a topical nature. Uh, a, we're going to address a topic that, uh, and I believe that topical preaching can be very beneficial, and, uh, but it has to be rooted in God's Word, right? And that's so we're going to be rooted in God's Word, and I want you to know that this particular series is really going to reflect the best of me, your pastor. It's really, if I had to boil it down, it's a message of my life, uh, at least for the first 38 years, all right? And uh, it's a message, are you ready for this? On giving. And I heard the cringe, a hush goes over the crowd, right? <laughs> and I want to just address this idea of giving right up front that some, in some ways you cannot address God's Word at any capacity without talking about giving, okay? Um, if the subject of the Bible is God, how many would agree that that's true, all right? The, the Word of God is about God. The verb, the action throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is giving. And you see giving. We saw it in 1 Corinthians in our series. It came up at different times. We talk about marriage at any level, and there's going to be a top, or, uh, the idea of giving. In fact, I, I heard this week, I thought it was awesome, told my wife, I said, the best marriages are when two givers come together and mutually love and support each other, giving sacrificially to one another. And uh, we're not talking about marriage this morning, but we see giving when we're talking about kids, teaching our kids to give. When you talk about love, it's about giving, giving sacrificially. And here at the Gateway Church, we highlight missions a lot, and so you'll hear about giving uh, at times. And you read through the Gospels, you'll hear about giving. We receive an offering every week, and so there's bits and pieces on giving. Uh, when you talk about salvation, I want you to know that we are saved because God gave his son. Jesus gave his life for us, and we give our lives to him. You see a theme here of giving throughout scripture. Now, because of all this giving, because you can't look at God's word without addressing the idea of giving, there are some misconceptions that come to our minds, and I want to help us with those. They miss, one of the misconceptions is that they're always, that church, talking about giving. How many have heard that? You don't have to raise your hand. Or how many have maybe even thought that? Like, huh, that church, they're always talking about giving. Or you have the thought, well, all they want is our money at, the, at that church. Well, it's interesting. I went back and I uh, dug into my old messages. And uh, the truth be told, I have never done a series, never preached a series on giving. And this fall, we will have been here nine years. 
nine years, not one series on the topic of giving. And in some ways, I'm questioning, have I done a disservice to our people by avoiding the topic, whether it was intentional or unintentional, and I think it's mostly unintentional. But for now, for today, for this season of our church, uh, I'm convinced, I've searched my heart, although only God can judge our motives. We've got to re- recognize that. But I'm convinced that this series on giving and money is going to benefit your lives, every single one of you here. And uh, you say, well, man, is this a good time to talk about giving? I know what some of you are thinking. I'm not sure this is the best time. Well, I think it's a great time to talk about giving, and let me tell you why, all right? First of all, Number one, God does not need your money. And we're going to unpack that over the next several weeks. The second thing, and I know this is going to shock you, we don't want your money. The Gateway Church. This is not a series to plan to boost our reserves. It is not a series to plan to build a bigger building, okay? It's not a plan for us to take the staff to Paris, although that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) The facts are, and I want to share with you some exciting things. Number one, we are not currently officially raising funds to support our future building project, and you guys are aware of that. Although Rick, our treasurer, a couple weeks ago, as he gave a good report and kind of showing the progress, he says, look, you can still give, but we are not, there's no formal appeal at this point. Right, So I want to make that clear. The second thing is that missions, and those that are on our missions board can share the good news, is so strong, the giving so far, that we are on track this year to pick up beyond our 80 already missionaries that we're uh, serving and giving to every single month, we are on track to pick up an additional 25 missionaries this year. And I just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for that. God is using you that we can reach the world, and it is incredible. And so we thank you for that. And as far as tithes and offerings are concerned, the first quarter we were, we got to acknowledge, we were behind budget. But as we stand today, we are ahead of budget in our giving. And so all these things, you say, well, is it the right time? And I'd say one more fun thing. It's the perfect time to talk about giving because our treasurer is out of the country for the next few weeks. (laughs) He's in Israel. He's representing the Gateway Church at the uh, World Congress uh, for the Assemblies of God, and we're excited about that. uh, And so uh, when he comes back, there's just going to be an overflowing love of of giving, I believe that. So so anyway, so we say that, yes, this is the time. And I believe uh, more than anything, and really, God really started stirring in my heart in the fall. How many remember, some of you went through the book, The Fear of Money, and at that point, I started saying, boy, this is something we need to address. In January, when I took some time, prayer and fasting, uh, it was crystal clear where God wanted us to go, and I'm excited. And I believe over the next several weeks that there are going to be lives that are going to be changed. As I share things that have been on my heart, 
things that I've been living, my family's been living. Like I said, it's the message of my life. As we share success, as I share struggles and failures, and uh, we'll hear testimonies. I appreciate Pastor Pete's testimony this morning. Uh, What an encouragement. I believe, though, over the next several weeks that your life will benefit. If you're married, how many are married here? I believe that because of this message, your marriage will be better. I believe, how many have kids? (laughs) How many of you have kids? I believe that as you raise your kids, that no matter what uh, stage of life they're in, your kids in that raising process will be strengthened. I believe your health will be better because of this message. I believe your family and your work, your relationships, life will be better because of what we're going to talk about all as we look at what God says about giving, about money, and about wealth. Amen? I hope you're with me. So I, you know this, and uh, I talk about Dave Ramsey a lot. I'm a Dave Ramsey listener every day on the way home. My wife does the same. Um, and uh, I want to kind of give him a shout out um, that he has influenced a lot of my thinking on money a, according to God's word. Um, also, um, how many have heard of a guy named Robert Morris, the Gateway Church in Texas, big church? Um, I, he has uh, for years been an inspiration to me. Uh, many of you know Dave Williams. He's been here for our missions convention. Um, he has blessed me and challenged me in some of these areas. The book, uh, Dan Celia's book, The Fear of Money. Some of you read that last fall with us. And then there's a recent uh, resource, a gentleman by the name of Craig Hill that's been challenging me. And all of these things have kind of come together and uh, according with God's word. And, and uh, it's going to be a blessing, a lot of different resources. But we're going to give you some tools to help you understand what God's heart is in regards to giving. Now, in Dave Ramsey's uh, most recent book, The Legacy Journey, I'm not sure if you've read it yet. If you haven't, you can pick it up. He actually quotes Robert Morris, the pastor I just mentioned, and they describe three spirits of wealth. And I want to kind of lay a foundation here. Three spirits of wealth. And you say, man, are we really going to spiritualize money and and wealth? There is definitely, without a doubt, a spiritual nature to money. But the first mindset that they address, which is interesting, is the idea of pride. Everyone say pride. And what that says is that money comes from me. That I did it. I worked hard. I created the the revenue uh, in income and not that we would say that hard work is wrong but the truth is is that hard work and force of will is not our source of wealth pride is a huge issue a mindset when it comes to thinking about wealth and money the second mindset is a mindset of poverty that says this that wealth and possessions are evil. A poverty mindset will say that any pursuit of wealth is wrong. And it will kind of sell the idea that equality for all is what is right. And that's what God would, God's word would say. And, and uh, that mindset uh, and that spirit of poverty or a scarcity mentality, uh, some people call it, is, is not rooted in Scripture, neither is pride, by the way. But there's a third spirit of wealth that is really beneficial that we need to get our minds around. 
And it's a spirit of gratitude. Everyone say gratitude. And by the way, this is the proper response. It says that wealth is from God and belongs to God. It recognizes what Psalm 24.1 says, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It also acknowledges that Psalm 50, verse 10, where you've heard this verse before, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If you wanted to know where that is, it's Psalm 50, verse 10. By the way, he owns the hills too, right? The spirit of gratitude says, thank you, God, for the blessing. Thank you for trusting me or my family with these resources enough You've trusted me, God, with these things. And I want you to see that a key for, our, for this series is that what it's going to be rooted in is the idea that it is all God's. It is all God's. With money, with wealth, whether to give or not to give, we are stewards, we are managers, and we will unpack that idea fully over the next few weeks. But for right now, I want to kind of address the problem that we see. I asked uh, Pastor Bobby to, to, to dig in and uh, look at some statistics on money and about debt in, uh, in America uh, in particular. And as of May of 2015, the average credit card debt in America is $15,609. The average mortgage debt as of this month is $156,706. The average student loan debt is $32,956. Interesting, in total, Americans consume, uh, consumers owe, when we put it all together, we owe as Americans $11.91 trillion in debt. That's an increase from last year. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> in credit card debt, $884 billion. On mortgages altogether, $8.2 trillion. $1.18 trillion in student loans when you add it all up. And the U.S. debt is mind-boggling. I checked it this morning. is still over 18 trillion dollars our problem church is not a problem of whether there's going to be inflation or deflation our problem is a misunderstanding of solid biblical principles about money from the church it's interesting one christian counselor said after 18 years of serving families and ministering he finally reached the conclusion that the church had failed in its responsibilities to teach Christians how to correctly manage their finances, which includes their giving. See, wealth is not for the spiritually immature. If you think or you are spiritually mature or you desire to have a, a level of spiritual maturity, I want to say this. Put on your big boy pants because we're going to go and we're going to see God really challenge us over these next few weeks. See, when I was really married, my father-in-law, uh, it's interesting that part of my story, really, uh, my father-in-law has blessed me. He, there was a series called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It was on VHS. It was a whole set that he had purchased. 
One time we were home for, from Dayton, actually, and, uh, and he says, hey, have you heard of Robert Morris? I said, no. And, um, and he says, oh, man, let's watch this. And we watched this series, The Blessed Life, over the next couple of days. It must have been Christmas or maybe Thanksgiving. We were home for a few days. And uh, what's interesting is um, this particular series uh, really challenged me. I was already uh, a giver, but it really challenged me in, with my mindset of giving above and beyond and really sacrificially and really extravagantly, and it uh, really blessed me. But what he did, what Robert Morris did in this series is he took two verses, and I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to these two verses as he talked about money, all right? The first verse was Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And then Luke chapter 6. And so kind of, if you can, look at both of those. And, uh, and so we, we would sit and we watched these uh, kind of uh, day after day, looking at these, and my heart was like growing. And, uh, and he tells a story that um, he has given away his personal residence uh, two times. And, uh, and I'm thinking, man, I talked to Jessica, hey, what if we gave away our house? And she's saying, no way. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but, I mean, you got to hear from the Lord, right? And I hadn't heard from the Lord. But, uh, but it was just really challenging. But in his discussion on money, he started, uh, I remember, looking at these couple verses. Let's look at them, all right? This is not talking about money, by the way. Now, look at this. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I want to pause there for a second. I want you to see there, this is not a text about money. The, this is on, it, during the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous messages. And, but what he says here, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. And then he follows it up, And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I want to just uh, do this together. Um, will you say this with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Do not judge or you too will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. One more time. Do not judge or you too will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, Turn with me, and maybe your finger's there, to Luke chapter 6. And what we see here, at first glance, it's not a parallel passage, but you're going to see how Robert Morris kind of tied those together, and I've, I've done this for years. Look what it says, Luke 6, 37. It says, Do not judge, or you will not, and you will not be judged. Sound familiar? And at the end of chapter 6, verse 38, says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And again, it's not talking about money in this context. In fact, the context right in the middle is talking about judgment and condemnation and forgiveness. Let's look at it. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. The idea here is that if you judge somebody, or if that's your tendency to judge, you also will be judged. If you are, have a tendency to condemn people, or if you do participate and condemn someone, you too will be condemned. If you forgive, though, the same, 
you will be forgiven. And in the middle of that is this idea of giving. And giving is the key. And that the giving, whatever you give out, it comes back to you. This is not a give-to-get verse, okay? And uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. What we're going to see, and what you can see here, is that it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, it's all about the heart. And that's what we want to start this series, is examining our hearts. The truth is, we are not after your money. I've already acknowledged that. But what's crazy, when you think about it, is that God is after your money. Let me say that again. God is after your money. See, our hearts are connected to our wallets by a string, I believe. Right? And if God can get your wallet, he can get your heart. It's the truth. Let me give you an example. Uh, some of you um, play the stock market. Maybe you have individual stocks. And I've, uh, I've got a good friend that does that. He's trading stocks, buying stocks every single week. And every time I'm with him, what do we talk about? Stocks. How's the stock market doing? What about this stock? What about that stock? What are you investing in? It's because his money's in the stock market. He's watching it. He's taking good care about it. Now, think about that in kingdom terms. One of the requirements we have, if you wanted to serve on the missions board, which we would love to have you as our missions is expanding, we're going to need more people to do that. But it, one of the requirements is that you make a faith promise. It's pretty simple. Why would we make that a requirement for our missions board? It's because where your money is, where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. The greatest story in our lives, we've been married almost 19 years, next weekend, 19 years. It's pretty awesome. But for our lives, uh, this goes back several years. We were in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I was bivocational at some respects. I was buying, selling cars. But then there was an opportunity that came for Jessica and me, and really I did not consult Jessica as well as I should have, but um, I, we invested, our family did, in two different homes in the Dayton market. We used, and I'm ashamed to say this, this is really sad, we used our home equity line. Remember back in the day, it was like late, uh, or is it early 2000s when equity lines were like you know, free or like 1% or 2%? It was, it was like really cheap money. We thought, oh, well, let's buy a couple homes, invest in a couple homes, flip them, and we'll make money. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was tragic for a year. Okay, so the people that we were working with said, oh, three, uh, three months, 90 days tops, uh, maybe 120 days to, to buy, sell, flip these homes. And we thought, okay, we're going to do it. And we took out our, out of our equity, and we bought these two homes. And I, I'll tell you what happened. Our money was invested there, and our minds were there for an entire year. And what happened, church, and maybe you've had similar situations, when my head hit the pillow at night, I can be honest, most of the time I wasn't thinking about my family or my wife or my kids. Over and over, I was thinking about those stupid two homes because the bills came in. It, I think it was 0% at first, and then it changed to 1% and 2%, and I started having to pay out on these things. 
my money was there. It wasn't even my money, but I was on the line, and my heart was there. It's all about the heart. That's the point. And the goal of this series over the next several weeks is to develop an understanding of what God's heart is. To develop a heart like God's heart. How many think that'd be pretty awesome? If your heart reflected God's heart. And in order to do that, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. In order to do that, there are four things that we must do. Now, I'm going to give them to you all at once, and then we're going to hit one at a time. First, we've got to deal with our selfish hearts. Then we've got to deal with a grieving heart. Then we've got to develop a generous heart. And then, fourth, develop a grateful heart. And we talked about that. Dave Ramsey mentioned that. I uh, mentioned that earlier. But Deuteronomy chapter 15 is a very interesting passage. This is the passage where the year of canceling debts was upon the, the Israelites. And uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, is uh, every seven years in Israel, um, you had to give back. If someone was lending, um, you had to give back the, um, the possession. All debts were cleared every seven years. How many think that'd be pretty awesome <laughs> uh, in our culture, right? Um, but it was, and then every 49 years, so every seven seven years uh, is the year of jubilee uh, but it's talking about the year of canceling debts and it says in verse 7 look what it says if there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of of the land that the lord your god is giving you do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother rather be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs sounds pretty straightforward but what about this year of debt forgiveness that's coming right says, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year of canceling debt, is near so that you do not show ill toward your needy brother and give him nothing. Can you imagine saying, well, we're in the sixth year, half a year. If I give him all this money uh, or if I you know, lend him all this stuff, um, then I'm just going to I'm going to end up eating it. He's going to spend it. It's going to be gone. I'm, I have to forgive that. I can totally relate to that. It says he may appeal to you. Uh, he may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to him and do not withhold a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Let's look at verse 12. If a fellow Hebrew, a man or a woman, sells himself to you, so he's sold to, and so you have now purchased a slave, uh, a Hebrew slave, and he serves you for six years. In the seventh year, you must let him go free. And when he, you release him, do not send him away empty-handed. This is crazy. Supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you, you were once slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. I want to just stop and pray. Lord, I pray that these few verses would just really jump off the page today as we talk about the heart of it, the idea that you are calling us uh, to have a heart just like you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just uh, 
come against any uh, confusion or any misunderstanding. And Lord, I pray that our motives would be pure in this series. Lord, that we would just honor you and that our hearts would become more like yours. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. The first thing, if we want a heart like God's, is we have to deal with selfishness. This is a big deal, church. Let's look at it, verse number 9. It says, Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the, the year of canceling debts is near, so that you will not show ill will toward your needy brother and not give him what he needs. The idea here is selfishness. And at the end of that verse, it goes on. It says, Then you may appeal, and you will be, otherwise you will be found guilty of sin. In this context, the Lord is saying, if you withhold generosity or withhold finances, if you have a selfish heart, that is wickedness. He's calling that sin clearly in this context. The idea is if we don't give, I believe at times, if we don't address the selfish tendencies in our own lives in regards to wealth, and giving in money, we have the potential to sin in these areas. Now the question kind of that came to my mind this week is, well, why did God create giving, right? And I thought, well, surely to support his work, right? No, not at all. In fact, God can do whatever he wants. God does not need our money. We already acknowledge that. The answer is that God created giving. It was created for our sake, for each of us. Giving was created so that we can experience and become more like God. Giving works selfishness and greed out of our lives. The more you give, the less your eyes are on yourself. That's the truth. And by the way, it's offensive to me, um, and I hope it's offensive to you. Um, some people, when they talk about money, or maybe you flip on the TV and you, you know, catch a, you know, a TV evangelist, someone that's out of control, um, they say, oh, if you give, you're going to get. You know, it, it's a prosperity gospel. How many know what I'm talking about? And uh, that type of um, uh, theology, that type of uh, understanding is toxic, it is, um, it is detrimental to the kingdom of God, and I don't believe it's true. You don't give to get. You give because it reflects the nature of God, and it helps us with our tendencies to be selfish, to hold on. All of us, at one point or another, want to hold on. But what God calls us to do is to give, and we're going to see, and to give freely. The second thing is we have to deal with is a grudging heart. Look at it in verse 10. Verse 10 says, Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. The idea here is that, you know, if you're giving money, and uh, this, this is money given in the context, uh, don't be grieved by what you have done. Because it says that this is the Lord God will bless you in all that you do, in all the work and everything that you put your hand to. See, what happens is selfishness, the first point, it attacks us before we give. 
When you have an idea to give or, or maybe you know, your heart is stirred, selfishness is what attacks. But then grief or grudging hearts attack us after the giving has, been, has taken place. How many of you have ever had a situation, maybe you've given a gift, maybe a large gift, and then something breaks, and you're saying, ah, oh, why did I give? I could pay this bill, or I could do this or that. Well, the truth is, if that happens, maybe it was a test. I don't know, because it wasn't yours to give anyway. And so don't be grieved by your giving before or after. If we realize that we are simply stewards, that we are managers, that everything belongs to God anyway, that we will have a positive and a, I believe, a a correct perspective according to God's word. And by the way, um, I've always said this. um, I don't know where I heard this first. I'm sure it's not original with me. But if the Lord were to impress you to do something or to give something away, how many know uh, you can trust that because it's not the devil that wants you to do that. Because what we're going to see over the, throughout this, this uh, series is that you are never more like God than when you're giving. Because God gave and he continues to give. So with your heart, you can trust God and you want to listen and you want to obey. The third thing is you've got to develop a generous heart. So not only that you deal with selfishness, you deal with the grief that comes after the words, but listen, you got to develop a generous heart. Let's look at it. Verse 14. I really like what this says. Verse 14, supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. What I like about that is that there's a generous heart after the servant that you've purchased has served for six years, on the seventh year, you release them. But not only do you release them, you spoil them rotten. You overwhelm them with goodness. You give from what the Lord has blessed you. And what you see there is that it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command here to give. You say, well, why do you think it's a command? Well, I believe it's because human nature, and all of us are susceptible to this, is selfishness. It goes back to that first thing. Now, you, we teach our kids not to be selfish, don't we? No, well, you don't have to teach your child to say, mine, 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 right? As toddlers, you know, you're always saying, all right, you share a little, buddy, you know, here, you know, you got to share. Well, the thing is, as babies, that's kind of cute. As toddlers, it's somewhat tolerated if a toddler is selfish. But when your kids get to teenage or preteen age, like my kids, it's not so funny when they're not sharing anymore. <laughs> Am I right? By the time they're 18 years old, they better get that lesson. Otherwise, it's going to be hard for them. And sometimes, spiritually, as believers, and I know this is going to step on some toes, we miss God's heart. We miss that generosity. We, we will pray and say, oh, God, what do you want us to do? And then all of a sudden, it's like we get a picture of what God wants us to do, and we're saying, What? Are you serious? You want me to give what? And do you know what God, I think, would say if he could audibly say it? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? At some point, you've got to trust God. You've got to grow up and say to God, God, I'm going to trust you. I will do what you're calling me to do. And that generous heart, we're going to talk about that throughout this series. The fourth thing is this. 
and we're going to wrap up with this, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, and we're going to spend some time reflecting, but is that we have to develop a grateful heart. We've got to be grateful. Verse 15 in that passage is very, uh, very close to my heart. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. The idea here is remember where you came from. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, my family. My Listen, re- God says, remember who you are without me. Church, we are nothing without God. We're nothing without God. In this context, the, he's referring to them as slaves in Egypt. They were under bondage. They were not free. For us, in our context, at the very bare minimum, we need to remember that we were all sinners and we're saved by grace. And we need to let God remind us once in a while that we were slaves to sin. I really appreciated the word this morning that there's victory, that we have won the battle. We understand that. But don't forget where you came from. And everything we have is because of God's grace. 100%. And because of that, and when we think of that, it'll help us to be grateful. We've got to be grateful for what God has done, for the little or for the lot that he's given us. And I believe that that reflects a godly heart. Now, for the next few weeks, and really into the summer, into June for sure, um, uh, I believe it's God's heart for us to be givers. Um, it's His nature. I mentioned earlier, we're never more like God than when we are giving. And uh, we're going to share um, some personal stories. Um, uh, I will about our family. Uh, although Jessica said, don't just share the successful stories. Share some of the tragedies, some of the mistakes, some of the... Uh, struggle with materialism, some of the stupid tax that we paid, some of the bad investments. But we are going to share also some of our stories about missions giving uh, that we've, and some of you know our story, we, we've uh, historically liked to give away vehicles. In fact, when we first got married, we gave away our first vehicle. It was Jessica's car. <laughs> and uh, when we moved away, we didn't need two cars. Instead of selling it, the Lord put it on our heart. And, and since then, we've done that, not only personally, but even through our business. Uh, we've done that. We'll share about giving away our retirement that we had uh, that we had put away. Um, also, uh, some giving uh, where we at one point we gave away our almost our entire emergency fund. And uh, you say, well, how do you do that, or why would you do that? It really comes back to that grateful heart and God's grace. And as we share some of those stories, um, kind of like Pastor Pete did this morning, you know, it's not to puff anybody up. In fact, if there are other stories that emerge, we'll use those. But they're, they're faith builders. And, uh, and we, we know that God, I believe that there's two things. God, he wants to capture our hearts in these next few weeks. I believe that. But I also know that Satan would love to mess with your mind. He would love for you to miss the next several weeks as well. And, uh, but in preparation for these next few weeks, I want to give an assignment to read 2 Corinthians, and you're saying more of Corinthians? Yes, 2 Corinthians to read chapter 8 and read chapter 9, uh, those two chapters, and we'll kind of hit those next week. 
But, uh, but this is how I want to stop or kind of conclude our time this morning and uh, the worship team can come. Um, I really felt, and really we're going to do this each week uh, in this series in particular, we are going to take time at the end of service to ask the Lord, and this is for the most mature among us, and really it's a sign of maturity, but uh, to, to spend some time at the altar. But we are going to spend time, we're going to craft time uh, in the service to find ourselves asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me in regards to the message today? And the reality is, this morning, God could be speaking in a lot of different ways. Uh, he, he may be challenging you uh, in regards to your sin in your life, saying, boy, look where I've been. Or maybe you're saying, man, I'm still in my sin and I need salvation. He may challenge you in regards to a selfish heart, saying, boy, I've got some selfish tendencies that, Lord, I need to address in my life. Or maybe it's the grief part, saying, man, every time I give, I, I regret it, and I can't stand that. Or maybe you're saying, man, I want to develop a generous heart in my life or a grateful heart. Whatever the case might be in your life, uh, we're going to take time at the end of of the services to respond, to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? And so I'm going to ask that we would all stand, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you just to ask that question, Lord, where are you challenging me this morning? How are you challenging me, Holy Spirit? Where are you shaping me and molding me where did it hurt in the message when Pastor Ben said this or that? Lord, where do I need to grow in regards to giving, money, wealth? And I believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to each and every one of us, and He wants to do that. And as He does that, and then maybe there's some, an area of your life, uh, maybe you need you know, prayer for, um, for the, you know, being sick or uh, maybe a relationship. Or, I mean, it could be a lot of different things, but we want to encourage us over these next several weeks to find yourself spending time with God, addressing a response to the Word of God in our lives. And so this morning... As you've asked those questions, I'm going to ask now that whatever it is that the Lord is challenging you, I'm going to ask that as the worship team leads us, I'm going to ask that you'd move from where you are, and I want you to come and find a spot to pray. Or maybe you can turn around in your seat, and, and uh, we're going to spend three or four or five minutes just saying, okay, God, where, what's the next step for me? How can you strengthen me? And we'll come, maybe we'll pray for you. Maybe you'll maybe just be by yourself. That's okay, too. But this is a time to meet God. And you're saying, well, I don't want to move. Well, if you don't want to move, it's a likely that you should move, okay? And even for the most mature among us, I'm going to challenge you that this is a healthy place to be. Isn't that right, John? As our elder, this is, a, this is God's heart for us to be able to respond to his word. And so let's do that. Lord, I pray that in these next moments and really over the next several weeks, that you would challenge us, that you would strengthen us, God, 
God, that we would understand that it's all about you. It's all yours. And really, it's a heart thing. It's all about the heart. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together and let's respond. You give love.